Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. I am John, some sports guy Hickman, your other half of the Locked On Texans duo, ready for a recap of Monday's game. I can't wait to talk to you guys about the Texan great DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. However, I am excited to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Cody, last time we talked, you gave we gave our predictions on the outcome of this game on Sunday. While the score wasn't the same, your outcome was correct. The Browns won Sunday in an ugly, not pretty, old-fashioned style of game, 10-7 over the Houston Texans. In a game where the Texans' historically bad run defense allowed running backs Nick Chubb, who returned back after mixing, missing weeks of football, and Kareem Hunt over 100 yards each, a total of 231 on the ground. It continues to stink up the place. On the other side, Houston had a long day trying to stop a Miles Garrett-led defensive front that gave them problems all game, not providing a real push at the line of scrimmage for Duke Johnson, who had a fairly good day, but on five different occasions, he rushed for one or less yards five times the interior offensive line continued to be bad for Houston and Sunday the tackles had problems with their defenders as well Deshaun Watson looked human yesterday going 20 for 30 for 163 yards with one touchdown 52.5 QBR and a 91.4 QB rating before we discuss yesterday's game and the things we saw I like to say that no way Mike Devlin returns next year and wastes the full time and waste the time of Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, the rest of the offensive line that'll be on the team and organization next year. Also, Justin Reed hasn't looked good all season. And yesterday was more of what we've seen. Um, just can't tackle. He can't tackle. And on several occasions, when I see Justin Reed going into making a play he's going with his head down not on the swivel and it looks like if he gets hit or hit a certain way his neck will probably snap but it'll be a very bad injury the way he is tackling his mechanics is all the way off and it's been like that all year just not making plays consistency like i mentioned problems with tackling he is not the only one, as it seems. Securing tackles without allowing yards after contact is a foreign thought for Houston right now. But Reed, Reed is not an untouchable on this defense or team, and, and I definitely would like to explore the Houston Texans maybe moving on from him. Uh, we know how scarce those NFL draft picks will be for Houston next year, so if they can find a mid to late-round pick for Reed, I definitely take that to move on. Uh, with that being said, did you guys see DeAndre Hopkins? 
who is no longer with the team because he was traded for David Johnson and a second round pick. And that second round pick happens to be Ross Blacklock, which this team doesn't trust to play meaningful snaps consistency consistently in this veteran year on a historically bad defense. Well, Andrew Hopkins caught a game winner yesterday. Cody, the floor is all yours. Well, once again, John, this is what the ninth game of the season. And once again, with the exceptions of the Jacksonville Jaguars game and maybe the Tennessee Titans game, if we just take any one of our recaps and just substitute the name, nobody can tell the difference. Um, at, at this point, there's nothing left we can stay, say about the Houston Texans in 2020. Nothing else bad to say about the Houston Texans in 2020. And you know, this game remind me a lot of the week two loss against the Baltimore Ravens. You know, the defense started out holding their own against the run, but the offense could not match their play, which resulted in several empty possessions. And then all of a sudden, the defense just collapsed in the fourth quarter, gave up a historic fourth quarter in rushing. And the next thing you know, the Texans end up losing this game. However, the only problem with this game and there was a lot of intangibles that worked against the Texans in this in this match against the Browns. But first and foremost, none more so than the weather. I think the weather gave the Texans more problem than anything that the Cleveland Brown has faced because unlike Cleveland, the Texans do not have the players in order to make adjustments that they could actually use to actually not only stay competitive, but actually win this game. And no, it's not the players. And I don't mean to cut you off. And I, I think it, the, the, all it's these not players, the players are not talented. It's the coaching. But the, the players coaching are not adjustments. talented. The, 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 well, you knew this going into this season. And I, what I would like to say is early on, Cody, as you mentioned, the defense did a very – a very good job of keeping this team in the game, right? We saw them apply pressure. We saw them do a, a damn good job of making sure Baker Mayfield doesn't have one of those I woke up feeling dangerous games. And in the first half, they did a damn good job of limiting what the running backs for Cleveland was, do, was doing. Um, we saw different blitzes. We saw them attack differently. But overall, adjustments were made for the Cleveland Browns. They, they say, you know what? We got Nick Chubbs back. I know he's kind of working his way back into filling the game. Let's really run the ball with him. And let's also get our, our other star running back, Kareem Hunt, who led the league in, in rushing yards three years ago. Let's also continue to get him involved. And down the stretch, defensively, and I mentioned that second-round pick with Ross Blacklock because if you are not trusting your rookie defensive lineman in a so-called veteran year, which is BS, I'm calling it, and the rest of your interior defensive lineman who's been in the league can't get it done, then what does that say about the coaching decisions and organizations for the last nine months? And I go right back to it. This team is just simply not prepared for anything. They can't make adjustments. It's just like, Cody, you said it perfectly. We can switch out the names. We can switch out the teams. But, hey. Outside of two or three games, we have been saying the same damn thing. You say not prepared. I'm saying that this team isn't talented. And at the end of the day, they suck, <laughs> plain and simple. But, you know, going back to the weather situation, 
it's something that Deshaun Watson and Romeo Cannell talked about a lot during their media availability after yesterday's game. In fact, Watson said the win took the ball several times that resulted in him overthrowing his targets. Now, we all know going into this game that the weather was going to be bad. And the weather was the cause for Romeo Cannell to make quite a bit of questionable decisions, one of which was that failed fourth and two play early in the fourth quarter. Now, John and listeners, you know, taking risk is something that I have been fond of. It's something I've been wanting to see the Houston Texans do for a very long time. And I am happy that they are finally with Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, you are finally going out and taking those risks, taking those big plays that we want to see you put Deshaun Watson in because we know he is capable of. But fourth and two in the first quarter, I don't agree with that. I I did not agree with that call by far. And I think that play kind of put the Houston Texans in a position where the writing was on the wall that they was not going to come out with this game. And I know that you did not want to put Fairbear in a position where he had to kick a field goal when the win was extremely high as it was on yesterday. But I'm pretty sure Fairbear has enough talent against the win to make, what, 10-yard field goal? Because Cleveland chip did shot it. for Fairbear. I'm pretty he had a sure. Fifty yard last week. I mean, it would have been a, it would have been a real chip shot for and, for, for Fairbear and knocked that down. Exactly, and I know that he missed the field goal later on in the game, but that was actually a forty yarder. That that's the that one the win took. I didn't agree with that call with Romeo Cannell, and I do believe that play alone set the Houston Texans up for failure throughout this game. And another thing with that play, and, and we saw it, we saw the difference between real offensive minds and guys who got a label because of they were paired with somebody that was already great. We see what Cliff Kingsbury is designing and scheming in Arizona. So if you're, if you're going to run on, run a play on fourth and two, because this is a very winnable game and it still was winnable down the stretch. I mean, you know, you make one tackle, you you get the ball back into Sean Watson's hands, and we, we've seen him make magic work, right? But the way the play was called, the play itself, it's just if you're going to put the ball in Deshaun Watson's hand, who, let's face it, in the nine games we've seen this year, he's carried this team. What what we've seen for Deshaun Watson this year is the equivalent kind of what we've seen from what we saw from James Harden when he first got to Houston, playing with Terrence Jones or Mirasik, Patrick Beverly before Patrick Beverly was Patrick Beverly, uh, just playing with a bunch of guys and you know saying you know what I can do this. In this case, football is a whole lot different from basketball. Um, which is why that race to the eight seed would have been perfect for the discussion if they would have won yesterday, but make his life easier. That's been a problem this whole year. If you're going to continue to allow Deshaun Watson to be Deshaun Watson, which we all encourage, just make his life easier. The play call itself just didn't make any sense to me. It was a head scratcher. Uh, Throughout the game, we saw Tim Kelly design probably his best game when I look at the misdirection running plays that he called for Duke Johnson to offset 
what Miles Garrett and Sheldon Richardson was doing. So he called a lot of misdirections and, and Dick Johnson also ran for the longest running play of the year so far for Houston. I think it was 25 yards, something along those lines, um, which says a lot about the, the, the way the season has been going, right? But he called a, a very good a very good game early on with how he was scheming up runs. That just kind of went out the window because eventually Cleveland just saw that it was we can beat it and became ineffective for the Houston Texans and it stopped. More offensive talk when we come back. This is Locked On Texans. Your Monday game recap for the two and now seven Houston Texans. Shout out DeAndre Hopkins. You know, as we were discussing uh, in the very long-winded first segment, but thank you guys for sticking around. But as we were discussing what we saw from Houston, you know, I mentioned that Deshaun looked fairly human yesterday, going 20 for 30, 163 yards, one touchdown. Um, and I think it was because of a little bit of the weather. He was kind of limited. Uh, there was a big third down drop by Randall Cobb that I felt if, if he would have caught that, that would have put the offense in position and uh, offense led by Deshaun Watson in position to really kind of uh, get going, feel themselves in a game that was very winnable. That's the problem with, 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 with what we were seeing. Majority of these games are very winnable, but to get back to yesterday, one thing that I saw that it's more than a concern now. Whenever the new GM gets in, uh, him and the scouting department are going to have to do a very good job of scouting free agents or third-round quality rookie interior guards because what we are seeing out of Zach Fulton uh, and, and with not Nick Martin, but with Max Sharpen coming back his first game after uh, an injury and battling against COVID-19, which we've seen – COVID-19 affect players when they catch it and they just they don't come back as good as they were from what we saw, especially when we look at New England with Cam Newton and, and uh, so on and so forth. But the interior guard, the interior lineman position for Houston is more than a concern at this point. It's a travesty how bad Mike Devlin, who deserves more than enough blame, which can go around, how bad he has not helped build what he's received there has not been any any growth that we've seen on behalf of those interior offensive linemen and honestly we have to give credit to Larry Tunsil who has went up against T.J. Widenbud Dupree this year uh, Chris Jones and with the new uh, not with the New England but with the Chiefs um, look at the defensive line for the Titans uh, Daniel Hunter and what we saw, what we what he was doing with the Vikings before he was traded, uh, we, we have to give him credit because he has looked phenomenal this year. And yesterday he also looked human, right? Like he had a he had a very difficult time and struggled against Miles Miles Garrett, who leads the league in sacks right now. He's a phenomenal player, uh, a beast, a, a man child. Like when he plays football, everything looks so easy for him because everybody else is struggling to stop what he's doing. But I love what we saw out of Duke Johnson. I, I think once David Johnson can come back, Duke should still be the star, undoubtedly. I think we need to just move away from 
giving David Johnson as many carries as we were doing early on in the season. And that was still an issue because we were all under the impression that we would see a very even split. So kind of uh, backfield, but we haven't seen it until David Johnson went down. So we're, we're seeing a lot of Duke Johnson. I also like the fact, which I'm also, it's also hypocritical, but we saw CJ Proceis and Will Fuller fielding punts and, 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 kick returns on special teams yesterday. Now, the Houston Texans, a couple weeks ago, they were asked about Kiki QT and maybe him replacing DeAndre Carter. And they mentioned that DeAndre Carter has been reliable and they didn't really see a place for Kiki QT on this team because of how DeAndre Carter has played. But then you go out you go out and allow CJ Proceis, who you just called up, and Will Fuller, who's your star receiver with injury histories, to field punts and kick returns that further lets me know that there's more to what we are hearing about the relationship between Houston and Kiki QT I think he's so far in the doghouse maybe some things were said I'm not sure that's definitely a place that Kiki QT who I'm sure is dying to get on the field and play football would excel in over DeAndre Carter Um, and so for you to put Will Fuller on punt return and, and allow CJ Procise, who was just called up in those positions. It makes me wonder what's going on. Also, Deontay Foreman scored a touchdown on Thursday night for the Tennessee Titans. He also was a former third round pick for the Houston Texans. Everybody else leaves Houston and does really good. So, but also offensively, like I said earlier, I liked how Tim Kelly early on did a fairly decent job of scheming the run plays. Uh, those misdirections were very good. They were working early on, but I think because of the weather and the lack of consistent playmaking that we were used to seeing from Watson this year limited what Houston could do. And the Browns were just able to capitalize on that defensively. Um, The offense only scored seven points. I think that's the story for the offense. They went forward on fourth and two, and the play call was was abysmal. It was a head scratcher. It was dumb. Um, I thought this was a game where the tight ends could capitalize. Now, Farrell Brown did score a touchdown that put the Texans down 10-7. That's the only, you know, lone score. But I thought there was opportunities for Aikens to do more and Darren Fells to do more in this game. Both of those tight ends were held to one catch each. Um, So I I think they were just limited because of the weather. And I think Cleveland knew that if we stopped Deshaun Watson, this game is pretty much in our hands. Like we don't have nobody else to fear on this team, not just on the offense, on this team. And you saw it. They ran for over 200 yards and they were able to stop Deshaun Watson. Weather played a factor, home field advantage, if you will. Um, and then the city of Cleveland probably just made Deshaun Watson and those boys sad because it's just a sad city and you know it's gray outside. It's just you, you should you should go to Cleveland to see what I'm talking about. Cleveland is like when you when you Cleveland the city of Cleveland is like when you sign up for overtime and the moment you get to work you say you know what I could have just stayed the hell at home. I like what I saw from CJ Procise, um on yesterday. What I did not like is Will Fuller. I mean once again. Yes, he is having a phenomenal year, and he has proven that he has improved his durability, but 
why would you want to put Will Fuller in that situation where he could get hit one good time and next thing you know, he's out for a couple of weeks. So, you know, I, and honestly, John, I would like to see CJ Prosite to get more touches as a returner. However, to piggyback off what you were saying, I was thinking the same thing as I watched the game on yesterday. You know, if you wanted to make a change and take DeAndre Carter out of that position, where was Kiki QT? And like you mentioned, there has to be more to the story because every time I've asked about Kiki QT, whether that was Bill O'Brien, whether that's Romeo Cannell, and even Tim Kelly. Every time I asked about them this year, it was always, he's doing good, he's improving in practice, and we're going to put him out on the field. You know, we should be seeing him soon. But we haven't seen him yet, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, John, and I'm going to look this up later on and then correct myself if I'm wrong, but I think the only time we saw Kiki QT this year was the game against the Baltimore Ravens, and he only played two snaps. One of the snaps he ended up fumbling, and I don't think we have seen him since then. Now, now once again, I'm going to correct myself just in case, but it doesn't make sense to have a guy in QT who is a pretty decent talent on your team and to have him so far in the doghouse. Now, a part of me wants to believe, well, maybe, maybe because they have a lot of veterans at wide receiver. You take a look at Will Fuller. You take a look at Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, even Kenny Stills. Even though two of those four guys are only having good seasons, maybe that is part of the reason why QT has not been seen the field this year. But, but like you mentioned, John, that, that has to be more to the story. Hopefully, I, I have the opportunity to ask Romeo Cannell about it sometime this week, and I hope I get more than, you know, he's doing good in practice and we're still trying to figure out how we're going to put him in the lineup. But, you know, going back to the running back position with Duke Johnson, look, he had a pretty – a fairly solid day, still better than David Johnson. If you ask me, I guess next week we will see what they're going to do, who they're going to start. John, I'm on board with you. I do believe that Duke Johnson should be the starter, but a part of me believes that next week, if David Johnson passed concussion protocol, he's going to be the starter, but I'm going to be intrigued to see if we're finally going to see the split touches that we were laid on at the beginning of the season maybe finally we're going to be able to see that but at the end of the day I don't know if it's the lack of talent that's at running back or it's the offensive line not creating big enough holes for a guy like Duke Johnson this game is just another example how bad the Houston Texans run game has been in 2020 and given everything that has been going on with the weather this should have been a game where the Texans could have depended on their run game, just like the Cleveland Browns, because they ran the ball 44 times, which, which I heard was the second most this season. When compared to Houston, they only ran the ball 22 times. And it's so frustrating that the Texans had to put Deshaun Watson in that position where he's overthrowing receivers where he's not not able to to grip the ball very well I believe there was two plays where the ball literally came out of his hand because the ball was really really slip, slippery I really felt bad of watching Deshaun Watson because he did not have a run game that he can rely on the Cleveland Browns they won this game because they had a security blanket in their run game and the Houston Texans did not Duke Johnson has shown that he is a more productive running back than what we have seen from David Johnson. But at the end of the day, neither one of those guys can get the job done because if you can't run the ball more than 30 times in a game like this, when it was very wet, very slippery, hell, there was a, a 30 minute delay because the weather was so doggone bad. If you can't trust 
your run game in a game like this, what is there left to be seen? At this point, you might as well see what you got in CJ Proside, Buddy Howell, um, Scotty Phillips. You might as well see what you got in your, those young studs because the two guys that you're playing, they're not getting the job done. And the worst part about this, John, the Texans nine times out of 10 is going to be in the same running back situation that they're in this year, next year as well. Well, we really don't know. And I think yesterday there was an opportunity because Duke Johnson went down uh, at the end of a third down. He got hurt, but he was able to come back. And we thought that at that point we may have seen more of CJ Procise or Buddy Howell. Um, but, but I think, you know, you mentioned that the Cleveland Browns have a security blanket. They got two blankets, you know, two, two, two good blankets that are, that's going to keep your ass warm at night. Led them to six and three, both rushed over 100 yards. But I mentioned early in the show when we first kicked it off, we have to place blame on some of the blame, half of the blame on the lack of push at the line of scrimmage. And also, you know, if you're going to run the ball, please run at your tackles. You know, start running in inside the A gap. It's not working. It hasn't worked all year. It's been nine games. If it ain't worked in the first eight, nine weeks, it ain't going to work. It's not. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But on the defensive side of the ball, shh, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. Missed tackles everywhere. Uh, better coverage, mainly because they were playing uh, an offense that isn't good at passing the ball consistently throughout this year. So what else did we see from this team on the defensive side before we get out of here on Locked On Texas, your daily Texas talking news update? I told you guys about Built Bar, how great Built Bar is, but also left out some very important details that you need to know. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six new flavors, which includes my favorite, the caramel brownie, along with the cookies and cream. My grandmother loves that one. They still have the 12 original flavors, the raspberry, the German chocolate, along with the peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And this is for the healthy, conscious guy like myself who wants to lose weight but doesn't want to give up a lot of the sweets, right? You can lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and great for a keto diet. And here's another thing Bill Bar is doing for their customers right now. You get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last, which is only for a few weeks or so. So, so go ahead and hop on that right now. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. You mentioned that the Houston Texans actually played better coverage against the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to I'm I'm not going to agree with that statement, only because the Browns really didn't throw the ball too much that game, and Baker Mayfield only attempted 20 passes, and he was 12 for 20. So, yeah, if you were looking at the stats, you can say you know I I mean the fact that they didn't give up. 200 passing yards like they normally do yeah I mean I guess that's good but at the end of the day they I, so I don't want to give the secondary too much credit let's just say that but you know going back to what I was talking about earlier I mentioned how this game reminded me of the week two loss against the Baltimore Ravens you know the defense held their own for a pretty long time and start out the game and then in the fourth quarter they just had this epic collapse and to be honest with you John on yesterday 
after the first drive where Houston allowed Cleveland to rush for 39 yards, the Texans held Cleveland to 23 yards for the rest of the first half. In the third quarter, they gave up 21 yards on the ground. Zach Cunningham had a, had a couple big stops on the ground. Um, I think we actually saw exciting one of the few sightings that we saw um, from Ross Blacklock. He actually made a good stop. And Whitney Merciless as well. He had a pretty solid game at stopping the run as well. But that was through the first three quarters. However, in the fourth quarter alone, the Houston Texans gave up 148 yards on the ground. And of course, the biggest one of all was Nick Chubb running 59 yards to end the game. And, you know, John, you mentioned that. Didn't Bo- score on that, by the way. Smart play didn't score. You know, screwed up my fantasy. But, you know, smart play. Well, it's like what he said at the end of the game. You know, he's not thinking about fantasy. He's thinking about being smart and helping his team, his real team, not your fantasy team, John, his real team winning a game but anyway that's neither here or there both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for seven rushes for over 15 yards and after 10 weeks it's the same problem with the Houston Texans run defense they miss tackles they they, and, and what I noticed that really irks my nerves they allow the runner to get on the outside, to cut on the edge way too much. And I don't understand why do you not have somebody coming off the edge to close that gap? I, I don't understand that. And it's so frustrating. And I counted so many times, both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt beating the Texans to the edge, which allowed for those big yardage that they actually had. And of course, going back to the one Nick Chubb had to end the, to end the game, once again, a cut to the outside, a missed tackle by Justin Reed, and it resulted in a big yardage for Cleveland. Well, so Houston, they did a good job of, you know, trying to, on that specific Nick Chubb play at the end where he broke my heart, um, they did a, a, a very good job of concealing the edge, right? Eric Murray came down, took out Cleveland's blocker. So right at that point, Nick Chubb, who will probably have taken the first lane, bounced out. And when he bounced out, that left Justin Reed, a one-on-one situation, a very winnable situation to stop Nick Chubb. He just was unable to do so. So the fundamentals of tackling has been terrible this year. And, and I mean, if you guys want to go back and watch that play specifically, Murray did a very good job of forcing Nick Chubb to bounce out. But I also would challenge you guys to watch Justin Reed on not only that play, but plays throughout the game where it seems like he's just going head first and head down. Very dangerous play. Very dangerous form of tackling uh, and very, very dangerous for himself. But the defense on that specific play, they they did what they were supposed to do. It just did not fall into the the way they would have wanted it to fall for. And that led to Nick Chubb busting off a 59-yard run and smart, very intelligently going out of bounds. I mean, that was a – unlike Todd Gurley, you know, early on in the season with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but that was a very smart play. But, you know, Cody, you said we could switch out the names, switch out teams, and it would be the same outcome. Tackling, poor tackling – poor angles, poor technique, and not being able to make plays. Simple as that. And that's what we've seen from Houston's defense all year. 
And um, another thing we have seen from Houston defense all year, I'm not saying this to be negative or anything like this, but I truly believe we are witnessing the last days of J.J. Watt in Houston. His body language, not just in the press conference, but his body language on the field, it's, it's just not good at all. And it's, it's just very sad. It's, it's truly sad. Yeah, I think, I think the highlight, which is not even a highlight, I would, you know, I can probably rename it the low light of what we're seeing from J.J. Watt. If you guys want to go back and watch Nick Chubb's touchdown, look at, look at, look at J.J. Watt's body. Look, look at his posture. Look at how he took on that play. Look at that play and ask yourself, and especially consider what we saw from J.J. Watt early in the season. I mean, J.J. was really balling early on, right? Look at that play and ask yourself, God damn, we got to pay him $15.5 million this year? And we squandered away everything, and we still got to pay him all this money? And we didn't trade him at the deadline? And we didn't get nothing back for him? This is where we are right now as a franchise. This is, this is where the Texans are as a franchise. Now, as we get prepared for the New England Patriots that we take on Sunday here in town, I will be at that game. I can't wait. I can't wait. Go take on the New England Patriots. It's Monday. That was our game recap. I am John Trump Sports Guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow you do not want to miss the show. We will be talking about the rumor circulating that Romeo Cannell and Jack Easterby might be around longer than what we expect. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.